Hi, I'm Alex Rubin, and thank you so much for joining me on my daily teaching podcast, Grace to Your World. You know, the more we understand God's grace, the more do we find ourselves empowered to change our world and to live the overcoming life. Now, with that being said, let's get into today's message and grow in our walk with Jesus together. The Old Covenant, the Old Testament Sabbath day was nothing but a, a picture of Jesus. In other words, the Sabbath is is not really a day. Remember, guys, the Old Covenant was types and shadows. The New Covenant is the reality. And so the Old Covenant Sabbath day was nothing but a picture of Jesus. And the reality of the Sabbath is resting in the finished works of Jesus Christ. And I really want to show you tonight, I really want you to see tonight that there's tremendous empowerment that comes out of a place of rest. There's actually power that that flows from from resting. And that is very interesting to to really say that, guys, because the world, you know, the world, I've, I've told you before, everything in the world is really upside down compared to the kingdom of God. You see, when the, when the fall happened, everything got flipped upside down. And so the world tends to think that power comes when there is effort that is exer- exerted. Power is, is you putting up effort. But you see, the kingdom way, guys, is that power begins to flow when you come to a place of rest and when you learn to maintain this rest. You see, remember this always, guys, that your peace is your most valuable asset. And the one thing that Satan will always try to steal from you is your peace. And Jesus being our Sabbath means that, glory to God, Jesus is our peace. You see, your fellowship with Jesus is where your peace comes from. You understanding that, that Jesus is, is living on the inside of you. You see, that's where your peace is going to come from. And so let's talk about this tonight. And let's get started here in the book of Hebrews chapter 4. We'll jump straight into it, guys. It's going to be uh, an awesome um, spiritual... We're, we're going to be cooking some good spiritual food here tonight. Amen. Praise God. I really believe it's going to it's going to feed you uh, and it's really going to bless you and and so and so I'm really excited to to jump straight into it. And so he says here in Hebrews chapter 4 starting in verse 9. Verse 9 says there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 says for he that is entered into his rest, meaning God's rest, he that is entered into God's rest he also hath ceased from his own works as God did from his. Now, what this is talking about, God ceasing from his works, is is talking about the creation account. You see, the, 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 the word Sabbath in the Hebrew means to cease from working. And the very first time that that word Sabbath appears, that that Hebrew word appears in Scripture is in Genesis chapter 2, verse 2, when it said that God had rested on the seventh day from all of his work which he had created and made. And so God created everything, and then he rested on the seventh day. And guys, remember, God didn't rest because God was tired. No, God rested because the works of creation were finished. And so I just really want to get this into your thinking once again, that 
the original design for creation was that everything was already a finished work. You see, guys, the, the, the way that life was, was supposed to be like in the garden and the way that life was like in the garden before the fall for Adam and Eve, it was that there was no stress, guys. There was no anxiety. And the reason being that Adam and Eve were put into a finished work. In other words, everything that they, that they would ever need was already available. You see, God created man last because God put man into a finished work. And so it's not like, you know, God created man and then man got hungry and then God said, well, let's create some food so that they can eat. No, guys. Before man ever got hungry, the food was already there, you see. And so man was put into a finished work. And so the original design for creation was there was no stress, there was no anxiety, because there was nothing to be worried about, because every need was already supplied. And so Adam and Eve could simply come to their Heavenly Father and, and simply let him know what they would need, and, and, and he'd already had supplied that need. In other words, it says in Scripture, even before you ask, I will have answered. And so God had already provided uh, for their need even before they realized they had the need. And so this is important to understand because, of course, everything changed when sin entered into the world. But guys, do you know that when Jesus came 2,000 years ago, what Jesus has done, glory to God, he has restored that original blessing that was in the garden before the original sin happened. Praise God. And so through the finished works of Jesus Christ, you and I have access to absolutely anything that we would ever need. The Bible says that Jesus has already made available to us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. And so you, as a born-again believer, are not to live live in this place of, of stress, this place of unease, this place of, of worry, uh, this place where you where you think you got to struggle and labor to try to get God to move in your life. No, 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 no. You see, you see, I want you to understand that, that you were created, man was created to operate out of a place of rest. You see, you see, guys, when you rest, you will see God's best. Because when you rest, God can go to work in your life. And, and you were designed to operate from a place of rest, not from, from a place of stress. You see, when there's stress, when there's unease, guys, that unease sooner or later tends to translate into dis-ease in the body. Dis-ease is, is literally a dis-easement. There's no ease there, you see. And so you were created to function from a place of, of rest. Amen. In fact, say this out loud. Say, say my peace is my, my most valuable asset. Say, when I am at rest, I will see God's best. Amen. And so, place the place of rest is your place of empowerment. Guys, we've been sharing with you that when you are at rest, that's when your faith really begins to be effective because faith the evidence of faith is really rest. You see, when you really trust God, when you really believe God, no matter what it looks like in the natural, the evidence of that is always going to be rest. Amen. Praise God. Now look at verse 11. Verse 11 says, Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall 
after the same example of unbelief. And so let's really unpack this here tonight. He says, let us labor to enter into that rest. It's, it's kind of paradoxical that we would have to labor to rest. But guys, I want you to understand once again tonight that we as Christians, we do not labor to get rich. You see, you, you don't labor to get rich. You don't labor to get righteous. You don't labor to get healed. You don't labor to get delivered. No, the only labor that you engage in as a born-again believer is the labor to rest. Now, why do we have to labor to rest? Well, it's because rest, guys, does not come to us naturally. You know, anybody living in this world knows, especially if you live like in a big city like we do here in the Los Angeles area, guys, you, you know that rest was not going to come to you naturally. You get out of your house, you get on the freeway, rest is not going to come to you naturally. <laughs> okay, you guys know what I'm saying? And so, and so we living in this world and, and we going about our day-to-day -day business in this world, guys, rest is not just going to come naturally and so in order for us to to be at a place of rest it actually requires our deliberate focus our deliberate intent now when we speak of resting let's just be very clear that we're all on the same page we're not talking about inactivity we're not talking about a physical rest no what we're talking about is a resting of the soul you see you 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 your soul being at rest means that you have a sense of peace, you have a sense of calm, no matter what it is you're called to do. And so you go about your business, but you see, you do what you got to do, but you don't stress over anything. You see what I'm saying? And so this is not a resting from work. This is a resting while we work. You believe God for a new job, you resting doesn't mean that you're going to spend all day in the bed, <laughs> you know, not doing anything. Someone asks you, well, I thought you were believing for a new job. You say, well, I listened to this guy online. He said, just rest. God will take care of it as I'm just staying in bed all day. <laughs> you know, one day I'll just, boop, there's a job. Guy says what I'm talking about. <laughs> you see, you see, you're still going to go ahead and do what you got to do. You, you fill out some applications. You show up for the job interview. You do what you got to do. But you see, you being at rest means you don't stress over it. You see, you don't, you don't worry. There's no worry. You just have a sense of ease, a sense of calm as you do what you're called to do. Now, the Bible says we, we have to labor to enter into rest. Now, what is this talking about? How do we go about laboring to rest? Now, here's our definition for, for laboring to rest. Laboring to rest, guys, means this. It means we consciously remain in a place of believing God and we do not allow circumstances to rob us of our rest. You see, when you truly believe God in a certain area of your life, whether it's healing, whether it's provision, whether it's having to do with your kids or your marriage, when you truly believe God, I want you to understand the evidence of your believing God is going to be rest. Guys, a lot of people can say that they're believing God and trusting God. You see, you, you say you believe God, but then you go around being concerned. Then you go around fearful. Then you, then you go around and you allow your mind to paint worst-case scenarios. Well, hold on. You see, if you, if you really believe God, then the evidence of your believing God is going to be some resting. And, and, and so we want to look at 
practically speaking, how do we get to that place of resting? And now look what he says. He says, let us labor to enter into that rest. Now you at rest, you being at rest means you're, you're believing God. The evidence of your belief is rest. But he says, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. What I want you to notice is unbelief. I want you to notice that the only thing that can take you out of your place of rest is unbelief. Unbelief. And and when it comes to unbelief, guys, it, this is really an interesting subject. I kind of said something on, on Sunday, in the Sunday sermon, I said that there's really no such thing as unbelief, that it's really just unbelief, it's really just uh, wrong belief. And that's kind of true, but then the Lord kind of corrected me afterwards and he said well son that's that's not all there is to it is there and i said i thought about it for a moment i said yes no sir it isn't <laughs> and i knew what he was saying because uh it's very interesting guys that you know when it comes to unbelief there's actually different types of unbelief and guys when i talk about unbelief i'm not talking about unbelief as in not believing on jesus you know like an unbeliever that's not what i'm saying what i'm talking about is you as a believer still struggling with trusting god in a certain area you see you you, you can actually trust god uh in, in one area but you can still struggle with trusting him in another area perhaps you believe god for healing but you struggle with really trusting god where your finances are concerned and so there's different types of unbelief. There's actually three different types of unbelief. Now, the first type of unbelief is simply this. It is ignorance. You see, the first type of unbelief is simply just a lack of knowledge. In other words, if you don't know something, you can't have faith for it. You see, the Bible says, how, how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And so you got to hear the gospel, you got to hear this word of grace in order to, to have faith for it. So first type of unbelief is simply ignorance or lack of knowledge. Second type of unbelief is what I was talking about on Sunday. It's wrong belief. That's wrong believing. And, and, and wrong belief, guys, usually comes from wrong teaching. Someone who has wrong belief is usually someone who has been taught wrong. That's someone who may have been taught, well, it's not really God's will for you to prosper. So, so obviously, you wouldn't believe for prosperity if, if, if your belief is that God doesn't want you to prosper. You see, an example of wrong belief, which comes from wrong teaching, is the teaching that says, well, God doesn't want you healed. You see, God is, is using this sickness to teach you something. Well, guys, that is wrong, wrong, wrong teaching. <laughs> you see, that's error, and that leads to wrong belief. And so, and so the second type of unbelief is, is wrong belief, which comes from, from just having been taught wrong. And so the cure for uh, the first type of unbelief, lack of knowledge, and the second type of unbelief, which is um, wrong belief, the cure for those is simply just the word, you see. Just get into the word. <laughs> just, just, just hear the word, you see. Immerse yourself in the word so that faith can come in those particular areas that you're looking to believe God in. You see, you guys following me. Now, the third type of unbelief is, is this. Third type of unbelief, guys, is, is, is unbelief that comes from being carnally minded. Now, what does it mean to be carnally minded? People sometimes think when you say, talk about being carnal, you're talking about sin. But guys, that's, that's not what that is talking about. Carnal, that, that word literally means uh, fleshly. And that word actually really means to be carnally minded is to be, to be of the five senses. And so unbelief can come 
either through lack of knowledge, through wrong teaching or, and wrong believing, or unbelief comes simply because a person is more focused on the realm of the senses. In other words, you're living by what you can see, hear, taste, touch, and smell. You're living by how you feel and your emotions. That's a type of unbelief. This is actually, guys, the unbelief that Jesus was talking about to the disciples. You guys remember that account where the disciples were trying to cast out this, uh, this demon out of, out of a girl, and, and they couldn't do it. And so Jesus came, and, and, and he cast out the demon. And, and, and then afterwards, the disciples asked Jesus, well, Master, why couldn't we cast it, the demon out? And then Jesus said, because of your unbelief. And then he went on to say, this kind cometh only out by prayer and fasting. You guys are familiar with that account. Now, now here's what happened. The church thought over the years and over the centuries that was that was Jesus was talking about was this kind of demon cometh only out by prayer and fasting. But guys, that's not what he was talking about. If you look at that in context, the subject was unbelief. He said, you couldn't cast this demon out because of your unbelief. And so what Jesus was saying, this type of unbelief cometh out only by prayer and fasting. Well, what type of unbelief? Well, the type of unbelief that comes from being focused overly on the realm of the senses. You see, the disciples were trying to cast out this demon, but then they saw the demon acting up and, 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 and saw, you know, the, the, saw the demon, you know, showing itself, rearing its ugly head and, and all that stuff. And so, and so they got kind of freaked out. And so it was because they saw something that contradicted what they were believing God for. They were trying to cast out the demon, but they saw this demon in this girl, and so they saw that. And so, because they saw something in the realm, in this physical realm, in this natural realm, it kept them in unbelief. And so Jesus said, this type of unbelief cometh out only by prayer and fasting. And so guys, this is an interesting kind of aside here. You know, someone asked, well, well Alex, what about uh, fasting? Or do, or do you believe in fasting? Uh, should we still fast under grace? Well, guys, we do believe in fasting. But you see that the, the role of fasting in the Christian life is not to try to get God to do something, <laughs> and it's most certainly not to try to cast out a demon. You see, guys, this is like, you know, this is an example of wrong belief and wrong teaching. You see, that, that, that they thought Jesus was talking about the demon, as if you can just cast out a demon through fasting. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you guys, if you, if you try to cast out a demon and you're going to go on a fast, Whew, man, I'm going to tell you that demon is going to have the time of his life, you see. And so you can't cast out a demon through fasting, but you can actually get rid of unbelief through fasting. Why? Because this type of unbelief, which is focused on the realm of the senses, guys, you see, when, when you fast, what happens is, is you are deliberately training your body and your, your senses to no longer go merely by the natural. In other words, if you want your body to line up with the Word of God, all you got to do sometimes is say, well, body, we're going to go on a fast until you line up with the Word of God, you see. And so fasting is a way to align ourselves with the spiritual realm rather than to be all carnal and, and, and all caught up in the realm of the senses. And so that is the purpose of fasting. And so that's a type of unbelief. And so, and so these are different types of unbelief. Now, whatever the unbelief is, unbelief is always going to lead to some type of worry, to some type of anxiety, or to some type of unease. Whereas if you truly believe God, it's going to produce some rest, you see.
And so what we want to do is we want to look at now, well, what do we do now to, to labor to get to a place of, of rest? What is this labor to rest, which is really just a labor, as I said, to, uh, to believe God? Uh, as I said, we, we, um, we define laboring to rest as consciously remaining in a place of believing God no matter what. Now, how do you do that? You okay, see, guys, this is, um, this is where certain practices now come in. This is where confessing the Word comes in. This is where you may confess the Word of God. This is where you may uh, pray in the Holy Spirit. This is where you may uh, meditate the Word of God. You may meditate on a promise of Scripture. And so, look at this, actually. I want to show you something. Uh, let's head over to Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. Because, you see, we've been talking a lot about works of the law versus works of faith. And, and what's been happening, especially with, with people operating in faith, is that we, over the years, have misunderstood why we do certain things. In other words, you're trying to, um, you know, you're confessing the Word of God because you're trying to get God to do something in your life. Well, hold on, guys. That's not the purpose of confessions. You see... Because we want to always, you see, you, you always want to begin in this covenant of grace. Your starting point is always, it's already finished. It's already finished, guys. You see, you, you're watching me right now. You're listening to me right now. There's something going on in your life that, that, that you're tempted to be concerned about. Well, child of God, I want you to know it's already done. Jesus already took care of it, you see. And so now rest will come the very moment that you believe that you see and so and so how do we labor to get to a place of rest well confessing the word uh, making conf confessions of faith is is a powerful way to labor to get to a place of rest you see when you understand confessions guys confessions of faith why you're confessing the word confessions of faith are very powerful you see like I said you're not confessing the word to try to get God to move he's already moved no you're confessing the word for your sake. In fact, confessing the Word of God is laboring to rest. In fact, we confess the Word of God, guys. You speak the Word of God over your life. You speak the promises of God over your life until you have a sense of ease, until there's a sense of rest that comes. And so, in other words, you got a, di a diagnosis from the doctor and the uh, doctor says, this doesn't look very good. They saw something on the x-ray. Now, you are being tempted to, to, to be worried and concerned. You see, you may have some symptoms in your body. And so, if you, if you focused on your, on your overlay on the symptoms now, if you, if, you, if you strictly went by what's going on in the natural, well, that would produce unbelief. That's the type of unbelief that Jesus was talking about there to the disciples. And so what do you do? Well, well you want to now labor to get to a place of rest. And so what you do is you, you get your healing scriptures you, you look at the scriptures that say, with his stripes you were healed. You look at the scripture that says that God sent his word and healed you and delivered you from all of your destructions, you see. And you find those healing scriptures, you begin to speak those scriptures over your life. Now, what happens is when you understand that you're not confessing the word to try to get God to do it, but you're confessing the word to get yourself to a place of rest, well, what happens is when you confess the word for a bit, sooner or later, there's going to be a rest that comes. There's going to be a peace that comes. And so you confess the word until the peace comes, until the rest comes, until there is a 
almost like a release that comes. And then guys, what you want to do is you want to abide in that rest for a bit. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm Alex Rubit. You have been listening to Grace to Your World. Be sure to join me again on our next podcast as we continue growing in our understanding of God's grace. Now to learn more about our ministry and to download the full-length audio of this and other teachings, simply head to graceworldonline.org. For information on how to become a Grace Vision partner or how to make a gift of any amount to our ministry, simply head to graceworldonline.org forward slash give. And I pray that you continue to see God's grace manifesting richly in your life. And I look forward to talking to you again on our next podcast.